How much do I have to tell to get what I want to get across? We ended up going to war with the major software companies. I literally ran into the house and said, oh my gosh, I came up with this great idea. I'm Richard Gerhart. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhart. You've just heard some snippets from our show. Stay tuned for the rest. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, founder of Gearhart Law, full service intellectual property law firm. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not a lawyer, but I work at Gearhart Law doing the marketing and I have my own startup. Welcome to Passage to Profit, everyone. The show that's all about entrepreneurship, small businesses, and the intellectual property that helps them flourish. We have Lewis Cheney, founder of Get to the Damn Point. And I'm glad that somebody has finally figured that we need to do that and we need to do it now. And then we have Kareem Cook and Claude Tellis with Nature Aid. Did you feel like your health kind of took a turn for the worse during COVID? They've been helping everybody recover with this product. So we'll hear all about it in a few minutes. And then Lisa Pietricatella with Sunhead Pillow. This is an amazing invention that you take to the beach. It's incredible. There's nothing else like it. And I'm going to let Lisa explain it. I can hardly wait. But before we get to our distinguished guest, it's time for IP in the news. If you wanted to start a podcast based on a famous person, would you just do it without asking them? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) That's just the way we are. (laughs) So these people started Oprah Demings and it's all things Oprah, but they did it without her permission. So she got mad and sued them basically. Using the trademark infringement process through intellectual property. Right. And she built this brand over 35 years and these people are using it to make money on a podcast. I mean, yeah. So here's the interesting point, though. These are fans and they talk about Oprah and they only put her in a positive light. They say positive things about her and her career. And I think that they thought that they would use her name in the title of the podcast because she wouldn't object because she would say, oh, these people are saying nice things about me and improving my publicity. So why would she care? Well, because a lot of people have used the Oprah O factor to make money right. and Oprah built the brand. It's her property, right? Yeah. So- I mean, I don't disagree. She gets to decide what so- she wants to do. <laughs> She asked him to stop the podcast. So I think she said just not to use her name to change the name of the podcast. So it doesn't dilute the brand because people might listen to this podcast and think that it's part of Oprah's business. Uh, right. She agrees business. with the content and all of that. I get it from a business point of view, but it's time for Richard's Roundtable. And I want to put this out to the team. Lewis? I think it's one of those things that you have to protect your brand no matter what, because that is your brand is something you built. But on the other side of the coin, I think about Star Wars. Star Wars have fans that do all sorts of films and things. And instead of looking down on it, Lucasfilm embraced it and brought the fans forward and let them be a part of it. But with Oprah's stuff, I can also see how one slip of the tongue and a brand could be shot. So I kind of agree with her on that one. Right. Like, what if they insulted somebody really famous in a really bad way? I see what you're saying, where you're going with this. And they attributed that to Oprah. Or even if they didn't attribute it to her by the virtue of the fact that they have her name on it, it looks like she has condoned it. So then it would create a whole big headache for her. Yeah, obviously that's the reasoning behind it. But Kenya, maybe you have a thought. Well, I mean, it's her name, right? I feel like if it's my name, it's one thing if they use it as a podcast, like the title of a podcast episode, but to name the entire podcast after her using her likeness, I agree. I would have felt the same way. I would have asked them not to title the podcast as such. I don't know, though. If somebody were doing the Kenya Gibson podcast... Do you think you would object to that? I would, because if I'm not on it and I can't control the narrative and you're using my name and to Lewis's point, you say something crazy and then my brand is linked to whatever you're saying. No. (laughs) (laughs) And she's serious about it, too. Kareem Claude, what do you think? I agree with what everyone said. It's protecting your brand. And I'm glad that they're saying great things about Oprah. I'm a big fan of Oprah's personally. But we all know that she's a kingmaker, a queenmaker. You know, she mentions a book, it becomes a bestseller. She mentions Obama, he becomes president. Everyone knows she's like the fairy godmother that makes dreams come true. And it's sort of like having her mention your name without having her mention your name in hopes of being crowned a king or queen. 
Absolutely. I see it from a business perspective because a lot of times, you know, you spend as a small business person, you spend years and years building something, investing and taking risks to get to a certain point. And then, you know, other people look at an opportunity and want to take advantage of it. So I think people don't always understand that risk and that investment to that point. So I think it's a slam dunk for me on the side of Oprah. Oprah's already so famous and she's one of the most popular people in the world. So is one podcast going to improve her reputation? reputation that much? Probably not. But there's also probably a downside. If something does go off the rails, then that could create some sort of problem for her. So Lisa? First off, props to them. They went straight to the top. They went straight for Oprah. Good for them. I think they would have had a different outcome if they followed the proper channels and getting her permission. Maybe she would have supported them, but since they did not, and I agree, uh, she started off where I'm at now, and now she's Oprah. They definitely needed to follow the proper channels to get her permission. So yeah. she's not wrong. The article said that they're not trying to shut down the podcast. They're just trying to get them to use a different name, something without Oprah. That takes the edge off of it in the sense that they can keep their program going. They just can't call it Oprah Demics or whatever name they came up with. So. Right. And lest we get accused of stealing somebody's intellectual property, this appeared in Deadline.com, <laughs> and it was written by Bruce Herring, who's an editorial manager. <laughs> so. Yes, let's make sure I'll do credit where credit is due. Anyway, it's now time to speak with our guest, Lewis Cheney, and uh, welcome. You're a repeat offender, Lewis. You've been on the show now twice. <laughs> But I think that says good things about both of us. You have a platform called Get to the Point. And I couldn't agree with you more because how many people just talk and they never get to the point. But I know that you're now kind of switching it a little bit to be more of a visionary stance. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Get to the damn point comes from the background that I've got. I come from a TV background. I have worked in television news, entertainment news, commercial production, independent film. We had a minute and a half to tell a story. I think people can be more succinct in what they're doing. And that's what started this whole thing for me. And I can explain that later about the interview. I'll talk about that at some point. But for me, people get up there, and especially when you're in a meeting, we've all been there. <laughs> Whereas the, <laughs> hey, let's pop it up on the wall and read it for a while. And it got me to thinking about it, that more than just taking up your ability to sound like, hey, I've got something going on. I'm actually polished at what I'm doing. It's actually eating up your time. And that's what made me start looking at it is going, okay, if you start looking at it from the standpoint that it does eat your time, how much does that trickle down into everything else? So instead of just focusing on the tips and tricks on how to be a better speaker, I want businesses to start looking at this from a whole different direction of how this works and how it does trickle down. And that's why I switched over to more of a visionary stance on it. Well, I think that's important because if you can get to the point, it means you mm -hmm. understand what you're talking about and you've already gone through all of the other things that are beside the point, right? So if you can get to the point, it means that you know what you're talking about. Well, I, for one, am a proponent of shorter meetings. It drives me crazy. <laughs> Some of the meetings that we have where somebody is like, you're supposed to use five minutes. You've just been talking for 15 minutes. What the heck did you really want to say? <laughs> people are people, right? They start going off in different directions and they go to a different point or they start bringing up different points. It's really about <laughs> staying focused. So how do you stop that from happening, Lewis? Like, how do you keep people focused on what you really they're supposed to be talking about? I'm going to show you something here real quick. I'm jotting something down here. Whenever I was in news, we were at a city council meeting one day and you talk about being where they shouldn't be. I don't know where they were, but it was nowhere near where we should have been. And at one point, the reporter I was with wrote this down. I don't know if you can see this. I'll try to get it in here where you can. It says, she wrote at the top of the sheet, the point, and down at the bottom, we are here. You're here and here. <laughs> These guys were nowhere near where they needed to be. That's why I thought, you know, get to the damn point makes sense because that's what that was about. But to stay to the point, it's simple. Before you walk into that meeting, know what you're going to say and don't put everything in there. This whole idea that a meeting has to be an hour long is ridiculous. I just coached a lady the other day who told me that the company she worked for told her when she had a meeting, be sure to fill the hour. Yeah. Why? If you could do a meeting in 10 minutes, get it done. And if you have your stuff prepared, prepared is the key. Rehearsed is the second key. And know what you're going to say. You can get it in and get done. Or as I tell people, your meeting needs to be about go, go, go. 
get in, get it over, get out. That's powerful. How long does it take to really prepare for a meeting so you can get to the point? That's going to depend on what the meeting's about. There's all kinds of factors that go into it, but you know when you're rambling. Anybody can ramble for an hour. It's getting it down succinctly takes time. The problem, I think, with most people is PowerPoints, which are powerless and pointless anymore, are the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> they create a PowerPoint, and they go in and they read it because it's quick yeah. to do. It's, it's like the college kid who should have been <laughs> cramming for his exam you know, for three days, and instead he does it an hour before the test. So they're taking the easy way out. If they took a little more time, they could wind up saving themselves a lot of trouble because they'll be talking less if they'll just take a little more time on the back end rather than making you spend that time. Interesting. Are there times you think when people ramble because they're not sure they're being understood? I don't know that people are rambling because they don't think they're being understood. I think they're rambling because they simply are not sure what they're talking about. At least it's been my experience. They a lot of times will repeat themselves. How many times you've been in a meeting where somebody will say something and they'll repeat it again and repeat it again. And I'm like, look, I got it the first time. Move on to the next point. And I don't think it's because of them being anything except unprepared. Well, do you think it helps in those cases to actually be recording things where everybody can see it? I remember long ago in corporate, we had the flip charts. Remember those? And <laughs> the they would write- Pieces stuff. of paper taped on the wall, right? <laughs> Let's say you did record it, okay? And by show of hands, how many of you would sit through a recorded one-hour meeting? You go to YouTube right now to see how to fix your sink, for example, all right? You're not going to watch a one-hour video on how to fix your sink or read a big, long diatribe on it. You want somebody to get in, get to the damn point, show me how to fix my sink and get over it. And I don't think, if, you know, recording anything like that's going to help anybody at all, unless they're getting into a 10 minute meeting. I think if you can get to a point inside of 10 minutes, I'm thinking about a speech that I'm getting ready to do coming up in October. I'm talking to a rotary club and they've given me 12 minutes, 12 minutes to say everything I need to say. So as a professional speaker, I'm going to fit that 12 minutes in. Basic public speaking skills are not enough. You've got to make them stronger. Right now, kids are coming out of college. They don't have those skill sets. There was a thing that was done. LinkedIn did a study in 2019 that talked about the personal development of staff. For you to have a better staff, you're going to have to give them these communication soft skills training, which is going to be public speaking, storytelling, how to be able to get to the point, when to rehearse, using PowerPoint more effectively, all these different tools that you can give them to help them learn to be better, more effective communicators, because jobs right now are asking for people to have soft skills. And that's one of the things that they've got to have. And if you give people at your work, personal development in that, whatever level they may be, there's a 90, what I think the article on LinkedIn said, there's a 94% more chance that they'll stick around in the job because they got personal development and learned something. So give them these skill sets. There's a time and a place for telling a long story. There's a time and a place for telling a short story. Boil it down to its basics if you have to. But what you really want to make sure when you're telling a story is it connects to whatever your topic is. The worst thing you can have is somebody who's trying to wedge a story in where it doesn't fit. If you're talking about sales in your company, for example, tell me a story about a win. Tell me a story about a struggle. Tell me something that makes me care. And if you can get me emotionally involved, all the better because we everybody knows we buy on emotion. We do things because we like it or we feel something about it. So when you think about that story, you think about, okay, how much do I have to tell to get what I want to get across without putting all the other minutiae in? Sit down and do it with your friends. Rehearse it. Run through it and say, where can I cut places? And one of the key things is when you're doing that, don't write the story on the screen and read it to yourself. Stand up and actually say it. So then you can find how to refine it because you're hearing it yourself. So we'll be back more from Lewis Cheney on Passage to Profit right after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software, software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com at Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start 
start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest, Louis Cheney. You mentioned before something about killer words. Can you describe what the killer words are and why we shouldn't use them? Absolutely. When I talk about how this affects your time, this is the tip of the iceberg. This is what got me started. There was a lady in an interview on television about her company. The whole thing ran five minutes. In that five-minute period of time, she had a lot of what we call filler words, or I call them killer words because they kill your time, like, ah, um, well, but like, so... The reason being, people don't like to hear silence, so they feel like they have to fill it. So I took that piece from her, I cut it down to where the person speaking with her is out of it, left three minutes and 11 seconds. In that three minutes and 11 seconds, she used over 70 of these words. I edited it down to just those words. Check it out on my website, it'll drive you nuts. But it came out to 37 seconds of just, uh, well, but, like, so, um, well, but, um, well, uh, but, um, so, well, um, like, but. If you had taken this lady and she had spoken for 30 minutes, she would have lost six minutes of time to these words by themselves. And real quickly, the fix is simple. It's just like when you have somebody catch on fire, you stop, drop, and roll, stop, drop, and pause. You know it's coming. You can hear it. You stop speaking. Pause. Pause does two things. It allows people to catch up to what you're saying and you a chance to get back on board with what you're trying to say. I noticed you don't use any of those words. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been paying attention too. So. <laughs> He's checking. He's got a sheet on me over here. He's yeah, checking me do, out. We, Richard, we, we Richard's do, tick sheeting me. We do have the um sheet right here. And so far there's a big goose egg. So you're doing great. But is it possible for other people to learn how not to use the killer words? How do you train yourself not to do that? You hear yourself. I guarantee you. I don't know if the other folks on here listening to me right now, they're going to start hearing themselves say it and they're going to catch it. When you start hearing yourself say it, and when I talk to people about it, it comes back that way. They'll be, well, uh, oh, see, I did it again, Lewis. There we go. When you start hearing yourself do it, that's when you start getting rid of it. And if you get rid of it in your daily life, it'll disappear in your professional life as well. You just have to hear yourself, catch yourself I, saying it, stop, drop and pause. I think that is what makes somebody sound much more polished than the average person, quite honestly. It does. Ever yeah. since we started talking about this now, I'm thinking about every single word I say, and I'm trying really hard not to use a killer word. You use killer phrases. Like what? You know? <laughs> That's another one. <laughs> <I> really... <laughs> Those are just as bad. <laughs> Have I said that a lot on this show? Not on this show, but you'll be talking to me and you'll say, well, you know, and I'll say, no, I don't know. You do that. <laughs> I do that and you know, it hasn't changed the thing. I still say, you know, when we're talking at home. Years ago, I got on a kick of using the word comical. I don't know why. It was just a word that I used. And the guy sitting next to me at work, he said, I'm going to break you of that word today. All day long, every time I said something to him, he used the word comical. By the end of the day, it was out of my vernacular. Oh, that's a good <laughs> idea. Just gone. That's a good idea. <laughs> I'm going to start doing well, that to you. I could see if you used it a lot, how it would get tiresome after a while. And you suddenly realize that you're probably driving people crazy or something. What is your number one top thing for the most effective communication? You've been on media, you've been on TV, you've studied this for years. What's the top piece of advice you'd give people? It's going to sound redundant, but it's get to the damn point. I mean, seriously, just figure out what it is you're going to talk about. Don't waste people's time. We've all been there. We've all done it. And what do we do? We see people do these bad things and then we turn around and do it to them. We do unto others what was done unto us instead, you know, 
it's basically just boil down your message and figure out what you're going to say and get to the point. It takes a lot of practice <laughs> and I hate doing this. I absolutely hate doing it, but I force myself to do it. I'll record myself and play it back. Absolutely. Recording yourself is one of the best ways to do it. And I know I hate my voice. I've been doing this for a long time and I hate my voice. I just don't like it. Other people go, you've got a radio voice. I'm like, yeah, and a face forward as well. But <laughs> it's one of those things that I don't like my voice. I don't think anybody does, but it does help you a lot when you hear yourself and you start catching those things. But that's an interesting question. You kind of wonder why people don't like their own voice. I guess it's just that they're not used to it. I've got another pet peeve I'd like to throw at you real quick too. People being late to meetings. Can we talk about that for a second? I hate that. Yes. Here's the answer to that. Should we wait for Bob? The answer is always no. Go. Bob knew when the meeting started, just like everybody else did. The problem with letting that happen is there's another thing where time is eaten up. I'm in a group right now. We're supposed to start a meeting at 745 in the morning when we meet. It doesn't get started off until eight o'clock. And they know that. So if you're going to have the meeting at 745 and not start at eight, change the time to eight o'clock. Don't make me be there at 745. If I am there at 745, and here's what I think we should just start a revolution in the world of business. If the meeting hasn't started on time, everybody who's there on time should get up and leave. So that way, only the people who are going to get to hear the meeting are the ones who came in late, which is going to be less. And I guarantee you, if everybody in bulk started leaving meetings because they were waiting for Bob to get there, they would change this over time and meetings would start on time. And the meeting started on time, they're going to get out quicker, then you're going to be saving time. I agree that meetings should start on time. I also feel like, though, that there is some genetic component to this. She is looking at me again. There are people that are right, always on time. Only bring up the genetic piece if it had to do with me. There are people that are always on time and people that really struggle to be on time. And I don't think it's anything other than just the way their brain is wired, right? Because they don't want to be late, I don't think. And for some reason, it's just really difficult for them to be on time. And if you told them the meeting started at seven and they got there at 730, you could tell them the meeting started at six, they'd get there at 630. You could tell them eight, they'd get there at 830. So it's not even what time the meeting is. It's just that they're always late. Well, as somebody who occasionally is late to a meeting, I would say that <laughs> there's the several reasons for this. One is you consistently underestimate the amount of time it's going to take to get you to the meeting. And that's an important part. And if you are especially busy, you're trying to get every little thing in and done before the meeting starts. And you're like, okay, one more email and then I can go to the meeting. And so I'm not saying that those are good reasons. I agree with Lewis that we should just go ahead and start the meetings, but those are frequently the reasons. But it does cost money. His point is it costs a lot of money. If you have people that are billing out at $500 an hour, I, I don't think that we bill that high, but let's just say that you're a white glove law firm in New York and they're billing at $1,000 an hour and you have five people sitting around. That's right. a lot of money to burn through for nothing. And that's why God invented cell phones, because if you're <laughs> waiting for somebody to show up, you can still do your email <laughs> and send text messages. But no, I agree with your point. I think it's really important that people be on time. So tell us about your TEDx talk, because we haven't even touched on that. The number of times we've spoken to you, I'm kind of curious how you got, well, obviously you have a lot of bona fides already, but how did you get a TEDx talk? Because those you have to go through a whole process, I understand. The topic was you won't die from public speaking, but your deal might because everybody fears public speaking. Oh my God, if I speak in public, I'm going to die. You're not going to die. You're really not going to die. You may be embarrassed. You may feel like it, but here's the thing. People are rooting for you. And for the TED talk, whenever I got into it, it came around to Evansville, Indiana, and I put in for it, went through the process and just simply got picked is what happened. They liked what I was going to speak about. And then when I got on the stage and had a chance to do that, part of what has become get to the damn point, that wasn't even really formulated yet. That was the beginnings of it for me, to be able to point out some of the things that you've heard me talk about already, the ahs and ums and stuff like that. And to get a chance to be on that red circle as a speaker, <laughs> that's like to me the equivalent of somebody who's a country music artist standing on that circle at the Grand Ole Opry. You know what I mean? It's, it's a revered spot. So to be standing on that red circle, talk about something that makes you nervous and puts the pressure on, that did. And for me, that was kind of saying, okay, if I can do this, then I can handle just about anything else. But it was a wonderful experience. And for those who are out there who would like to speak, I would highly recommend 
pursuing a TED talk. A TEDx is a great thing to get into. That's really great. Do they edit out all the filler words, killer words, or do people <laughs> that go on there just not you use can't do that video? The funny thing is we had a lady who was on with me and at the last minute, everything she'd practiced, she decided before she took the stage to get rid of it and just wing it, which is not the best idea, but she's winging a TED talk. And you would think people would be, I think people who are not speakers would think that the audience is going to be, well, you should be better than that and all of this. If you could go back and watch that talk, you hear the audience going, you've got this girl, we're behind you. She was crying at parts of it. It was very heartfelt. It was very emotional. It was from her heart. And in spite of the fact that she wasn't as rehearsed and goes against everything that I tell you to do as a get to the damn point person, the audience was a thousand percent behind her because your audience wants to see you win. So when you get up there to speak, remember that. That's a wonderful story. It is. So you can pretty much have any topic then, as long as they find the topic interesting, as long as they think most people find it engaging, right? And it fits with whatever their theme is. The theme that we had that year for me was change. So I'm looking at people changing what they're doing and their approach to public speaking and their approach to doing meetings and things like that. So you have to have a topic that fits what they're talking about for their brand for that particular TED Talk. That's really great. Okay. And then they travel the country and they do auditions in different places. Is that? They're all over the world. There are TED Talks everywhere. TEDx okay. is particularly are easier to get to. The big main stage TED Talks are bigger than you think about your Brene Browns, people like mm -hmm. that. But they were TEDx's to start with. They were not TED Talks. They were TEDx's. And TEDx's are affiliated with TED, but they're like basically the smaller venue type things. Really great to know. Unfortunately, we have to take a commercial break, but we'll be back with more Passage to Profit right after this. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley's the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Lewis Cheney, just a wealth of advice about getting to the point. We are now on to Power Move and Kenya Gibson is here. Hi, Kenya. Who is our Power Move? Our Power Move is Stormy, which is Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott's daughter. So she's a toddler and she has not one, not two, but three trademarks that she has filed under her name for Stormy World. And she is going to be doing dolls. She's going to be doing toys. There's like this whole plethora of fun stuff that she's going to be doing under the Stormy World brand. So she is our power move because I thought that was great to have a trademark in your toddler. <laughs> Does she know she's going to be doing all this? I don't know. She understands she's going to be doing all this, but her mother certainly does. No pressure from behind. But that's the Kardashian way, right? Absolutely. One of the youngest inventors I had was seven years old. We actually oh. did a patent for him and he had, a, I don't think he would mind if I mentioned it, but he had a 
new type of dry erase board, and he actually received a patent on it. It's never too late or never too early to start a life in entrepreneurship. That's for sure. <laughs> that's true. Well, thank you for that, Kenya. It's time for Fireside. Elizabeth, the floor is yours. So for those of you that don't know, Fireside is my startup. It's a video directory of small businesses online. I've been working on it for a few years now, and I'm feverishly trying to finish my patent application. So I am a patent agent, so I can write my own patent applications, although I'm not as good as <laughs> the people like your heart law that do it every day for a living. It's like so, patent agent. That just sounds so mysterious. A Tom Cruise movie or something, but, you know? Yes. So I did a provisional almost a year ago. And now I have to do the utility, which is the one that is like the real one. So the provisional is like the placeholder and the utility is like the real one. So I have to finish it. And I was looking for a software to do flowcharts since it's a tech project. It needs flowcharts, it's business method. And Canva has software for that. I've used Canva for years for things like Instagram covers and YouTube thumbnails. Their software is amazing. So I was able to do all my flowcharts and even some other figures that had different things in them. So I just have to finish it up now and get it on file. On to our next presenters, Kareem Cook and Claude Tellis with NatureAid. This is something I'm really excited to hear about because they've made a huge impact over these last couple of years. So please welcome and tell us what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, my name is Kareem Cook. I'm Claude Tellis. And together we are the co-owners of NatureAid. And our vision and mission is around reversing pre-diabetes and diet-related illnesses. And we have been inspired by people in our families who have died from diabetes and heart disease. And it started off when we were in college at Duke University having these conversations 30 years ago. We came out to California. We saw that they had a, a child obesity crisis out here, which was pretty shocking to us, both being from the East Coast, because we think of LA and LA life as being like, what you see on Baywatch and everybody's in like perfect shape. And you get out here, we saw all these kids and we, re we realized they had a 40% child obesity crisis. We looked at each other, we said, why don't we do something about it? And within two years, we ended up going to war with the major soft drink companies. We ended up cold calling the president of the YMCA and just telling him that he had soda machines in his lobby. What are you doing trying to kill these kids? Ran that same play with a, a bunch of high school and middle schools. And at the end of year one, we had 26 YMCAs, seven public high schools and middle schools, taken out the junk, replaced it with healthy beverages. And Year two, led a charge of health teachers and some other folks, lobbied the school board and got the law changed, banning junk food in all the public high schools and middle school in Los Angeles. Wow. You must have had a lot of passion for the cause. Oh, yeah. And I can define passion for you. I basically lived in the office for a year. We bought a 14-foot rented a U-Haul truck and painted it white. And that was my vehicle for filling vending machines as well as going to the clubs in Beverly Hills. I lived <laughs> at the vending machine, but I wasn't successful in uh, dating. But we were able to do something that big in the first two years, ran that business for about five years. And then we decided we wanted to do something grander and ended up raising money and capital from individuals at Duke University, members on the board of trustees, and buying NatureAid in 2012. NatureAid had been around since 1926 in the different forms and variations, sort of like the first Whole Foods. They had branded products and we saw an opportunity to buy it on the cheap and redirect the company in the areas that we wanted to direct the company, which is really bringing high quality, whole food quality products to the Walmart consumer. The idea was why should my mom in the Bronx, New York, have to get on a bus and a train to get to a Whole Foods in Manhattan when she should be able to have access to the same quality food by just going right outside her door or having to ship to her house. That's in a nutshell. I'll let Claude pass it over to uh, Yeah, our company now, actually, we're really excited. We just aimed to deal with Magic Johnson. We're one of the first Black-owned companies to get into Costco. We sell a product called Natrade Plant-Based Weight Loss Shake that's in Costco. We're in 112 Costco's. And, you know, step one is for people to eat better. You know, let that food be that medicine. My people are from Louisiana, so we grew up eating every different piece of the pig. And no one talks about eating veggies so much. And so... There's this whole movement now in terms of eating your veggies and we call it being plant-based. And so we recognize that we're in like a $60 billion industry that's growing like nine, 10%. However, there's, you know, a hundred million people who are considered pre-diabetic according to American Diabetes Association and another 30 million people who are type two. I grew up in the DC area, but my folks are from Louisiana and I've had a a couple uncles actually get their legs amputated due to type two. Any person of color and many Americans period basically have that same narrative. And so we're trying to reverse that narrative by saying, hey, look, 
we all got to eat cleaner. And no matter where you are on your healthy journey, your weight loss journey, you can start right now with something that is really clean, has low sugar and tastes really great. This is really important. So what kind of products you have? The weight loss shake, you have a powder, I assume that you mix with water or something. Yeah, we have this weight loss shake that's in Costco and we sell a product called NatureAid uh, Vegan Smart, which is in Target. Whole Foods, and about 10,000 other stores across America. We're particularly successful on Amazon because we find that in places where people can't have access to these type of stores, it's hard to imagine that, right? That you, you don't have access to a, a Whole Foods or a Target. But there are many, many people live in what we call food deserts that don't, and they do access Amazon. So we really try to reach out to people, let people know they can get it there. There's an educational piece that goes around it, which we like to participate in as well. We go around and we, we haven't done any TEDx talks, but we do talk to a lot of people when we get the opportunity to sort of educate folks. And we bought the company. We thought that maybe we could find some magic pill, like a blood glucose pill or something. But then we encountered two people who just happened to be our friends, who we discovered reversed their type two diabetes by just going plant-based. And that was just mind blowing. But we had to be real about it, right? We know that most people, only 5% of the population are vegan. We know that most people won't do it. And so our message in order to be palatable is, look, we know that you will most likely not get to this endpoint of being vegan or plant-based. But if you go from where you are and make your way towards that point, even if you get to the middle, you will live longer, you will be healthier, your skin will clear up, you'll have more energy. And we, we try to make that goal attainable. It tastes great. And we've tried to show people that, hey, look, if you take our vanilla and you mix it with blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, you have a real healthy shake. You have, you know, less than five grams of net carbs and you're eating super clean. It's mm. addition by subtraction. Lewis, do you have any questions? Can you tell me more about where y'all came from on designing the taste of this thing? So tell me more about how, what your thought processes were and how you went into that for making this taste good for folks. There are consumers fully aware of the health benefits of eating clean, understanding the products they're looking at. They don't have to taste good. They're just doing it for that purpose. They understand. But we know that the greater need is the people who we're asking to put down the grape soda. It better taste good if you're going to ask them to do that. Sure, we don't have zero grams of sugar like what you might find in a Whole Foods, but five grams is, or four grams is still low glycemic, right? And it's enough to make the product actually taste good using fruit as well to flavor. And so we knew that, that was important. That was something that sort of differentiated us from other companies that sell similar products, right? Look, there are a lot of reasons to do it. And some people do it for the environmental reasons. And that's, that's a great cause. But I had two aunts and four cousins die during COVID, right? Oh, and the thing that they all had in common was their diabetes. That's what increased their risk that if they went to a hospital, they weren't going to come out. That was the differentiator. You know, we've been trying to do this since 2012, but it wasn't until 2020 that it resonated with people. The Targets of the world, the Costco's of the world, the Whole Foods of the world, they knew who we were. But it wasn't until it clicked what we've been trying to do, what we've been trying to say, that they were like, come on in. Now we get it. It's for everybody. They welcome us in. I'm so glad to hear that you guys have been so successful. How can people find your product? You can find us in Costco. You can find us in Whole Foods. You can find us in Target. You can find us on Amazon for sure. At Naturate Life on Instagram, as well as Twitter. And at Live Vegan Smart. Yeah. It's spelled N-A-T-U-R-A-D-E. So, yep, Naturade Life. Mm -hmm. Okay, on to our next presenter. And she has something really fun. It's called Sunhead Pillow. Her name's Lisa Pietra Catella. She's a client of Gearheart Law. We actually bought one of these, or brought two, two of, of them. them. Sent one to our daughter. Yes. So Lisa, please tell us all about your really cool product. I started off in 2015. One of my daughters got into a car accident. I came up with this idea. I literally ran into the house. I drew up this schematic. I thought of a name, put everything together, ran into my family and said, oh my gosh, I came up with this great idea to make everyone more comfortable and happy. I showed it to them and then I put it away for two years. Forward two years, I was watching Shark Tank and there was this woman that had chopstick holders. They were about this big and she was making a ton of money. I said, well, I'm crazy not to try this. So this is where Sunhead Pillow was born. So Sunhead Pillow is a unique multi-purpose pillow with storage compartments, patent approved storage compartments, thanks to the Gerhards. 
And it's just a really cool, unique pillow that has compartments to put an ice pack to keep you cool or a hot pack to warm you up. It has a pocket on the side to store your cell phone. You open up the zipper compartment and it has this really cool storage inside that you can fit your personal items. And you can basically take it anywhere from the beach to your couch, poolside. I am actually sitting with it now. It's supporting my low back. It gives like this nice support for your back. It's shaped like those pillows that you put behind your neck on the airplane. Actually, my background is a licensed massage therapist. So if you look at the shape, it mimics a massage table head bolster. So that's where I came up with this design. And the great thing about this pillow is that you can lay face down comfortably and it helps with the cervical alignment. You know, when you go on the beach and you want to lay face down and you can just never find that comfortable spot, this eliminates that. You can lay down with it face down on your beach chair, on the sand, anywhere, and you can really just be comfortable. And it's kind of a firm pillow, right? Yes, it is. I made sure that I put memory foam in it and it's thick enough to give you that support and it'll bounce right back. I mean, it really is comfortable. If you open up the zipper, this is storage in here and I put the meshing so everything stays safe and secure. There's also a pocket here that you can put money, your jewelry, just to keep it safe, close to you. There's also this adjustable bungee cord that you can attach to most chairs just to support it for your comfort. And also there's two little straps here to hold it like a little purse. It comes with a gift with purchase. There's a little mesh bag. I know a lot of people use it for their children. They can throw toys in there. My mother uses it for her medication for when she travels. She just puts it in here. So she knows exactly where it is and you don't have to worry about anything. That sounds really great. What are your next steps in taking the pillow to the next level? I will do anything to make this grow. So currently I am on social media. It's under Sunhead Pillow on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, which has been a lot of fun. I have two daughters that are in their 20s and I've taught myself everything that I've posted on there and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So this is a family business. This is geared. What motivates me, you asked about motivation, is my family. My daughter who got hurt motivated me to do this. So all the colors are named after family members and they are also on my packaging. So the one I just showed you is Christmas Yellow after my niece. This is Jenna Blue. So that's my daughter, Jenna. And the daughter that motivated me is on the back. She's Nicole Me Pink. I have Glammy Apple Red. So they are coming out soon. Um, proceeds will be going towards cancer research to help find cures for cancer and also to help cleaning up our oceans. I'm also coming out with the camo for camping. There's another one in the works. This actually does float. So for the boating industry, I've had a lot of requests for that. Mm -hmm. So I will have an accessory that will make this waterproof, completely waterproof. I have a lot of different things happening and I'm really excited to take it to the next level and make everyone's head and neck happy. It really is a multi-purpose pillow and I'm, I'm very proud of it and I'm looking forward to sharing it with everyone. Yeah. Kenya, would you say it helps people improve their posture? Because that's something like that I've been trying to work on. And I feel like it's hard to find products that speak specifically to posture issues. I do believe it can help aid with making your cervical alignment more aligned, actually, and just to help eliminate and reduce that pain or discomfort. I would like to think so that it could help aid towards it. I cannot make that claim but I think it absolutely would help with your spinal alignment for sure. And the reason why I bring that up is that's a very untapped market for like yes. the pillow product category. So, I mean, if there was somebody that did something in that lane, I think they'd make a lot of money. Absolutely. So I currently work in a doctor's office that offers physical therapy, chiropractic and acupuncture care, and I'm having excellent feedback with the patients. Several of them have been buying them. They love it. And I'm getting positive feedback after they do purchase it. 
So that is an industry that I would like to touch on aside from the, the pleasure part community. of it, just yeah. the beach yeah. community, resorts, cruises, even at home. I mean, I use it every day while I'm working to support my low back. My daughter works remotely. She uses it to support her low back. And that's the daughter that got into the car accident. So she will forever have back and neck pain, but this helps eliminate that. Well, if you need marketing ideas, I mean, can is amazing. So oh, thank, thank you. you. Lewis, any comment? Yeah. The one thing I want to ask you, just have to ask real quick. I looked at it online here and there's so much stuff you can put in it, which I think is fantastic. But how did you design it? So when I load all my stuff into it, it doesn't hurt my head when I lay on it. Well, this bottom storage portion is a hard shell. So this was made with a mold and I designed this to make the memory foam thick enough so the bottom portion doesn't affect you when you're laying down. That's why I made this as thick as I did. Storage <laughs> is on the sides too. So that's not going to affect you. Yes. Uh, well, this is for your phone. I mean, you could use it for anything really, but the idea was to have it close enough to you so you don't miss a call. You can listen to music or whatever you'd like to do and just keep it on its own to itself. So yeah, just, I mean, that's, that's really a nice idea because if you do go to the beach, you get sand everywhere yes. and in everything. And so mm -hmm. this provides a place to put it. You know, who wants to get sand on their phone? Exactly. So. Wouldn't this be yes. great on the airplane too? Yes. I mean, you have everything right there. So you put your bags up above and your stuff under your feet. But then if you need something, it's right there. Absolutely. And then you have so, a neck rest too, right? So. Yes. So my daughters and I, we take the table down and then we put the pillow down and we lay face forward. Sunheadpillow.com. <laughs> Listeners, you are listening to Passage to Profit, Road to Entrepreneurship with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Our special guest, Louis Cheney, and we will be right back. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T law.com At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our Professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. Our special guest today was Lewis Cheney, founder of Get to the Damn Point. So if you missed anything, go back and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Everything on the show today was great content you wouldn't want to miss out on. Now we're to the part of the show, though, where we get to ask everybody a question to find out a little bit about their personality. So our question today is, what sparks your creativity? And I'm going to let Lewis go first. So Lewis? What sparks my creativity is music. When I'm sitting down and I'm trying to work on something I have to shut out the world, so to speak. So what I do is I decide what type of music am I going to listen to that will fit what I'm trying to come up with, where I want to work. I put on my headphones. I shut out my family. I have been hit in the head more times than I can count with a towel because my family can't get my attention. So they throw it over at me to get well, my at least attention. They use a towel, not like my family. <laughs> 
that's what I use. I use that to really draw me in and be able to work on what I need to work on. So music helps me a lot. Kareem, what is your spark of creativity? What sparks you? I love being in my car and taking long drives. I just like to know what's going on in the world. And I don't like to opine as much and it's not really welcome anymore, but I like to think about solutions and having a definite opinion on different things that are happening. And I find that when I do that, I stay awake and my brain cells are spark and then I could just move on. Early in the day, I'll just watch world events and, and think about yeah. them. Yeah, that's really great. Claude, what sparks you? For me, it's, it's cycling. Particularly if you can get out there early, it really gets the juices flowing for me. I start to view it as like a part of my workday because it helps me actually think about what's going on and, and come up with solutions. And then, you know, I actually take a lot of my phone calls from the bike trail. So don't let your schedule bottle you up. Like, get on the bike, go out, and then take your calls from the road, so to speak. Well, I see why you guys work so well together. That's great. It's like you have different ways, like you're completely different ways, but you bring them together. That's, that's what you want, right? So Lisa, what about you? What motivates me is my family and just people in general. I work in a doctor's office. I see many different people all the time. I used to work in a restaurant years ago and people fascinate me. One of my motivations aside from my family, friends, and just people in general was just, I think everyone needs to pause a minute and just be light and enjoy life a little bit and just have a time out. So Kenya, what sparks your, like you have the biggest well of creativity of anybody I've ever known. What sparks your creativity? A good old shower. I swear I get the best ideas in the shower. So if you're looking for a good idea, get me in the morning or get me before I go to bed and you're good to go. But um, I would say, I would say God, I get a lot of great divine inspiration from him. I feel like, all I can't take credit for all these for good ideas because I feel like it's all divine inspiration. So I would say God plus a good shower equals a good result usually. But we are getting very different answers from everybody. <laughs> So Richard, what sparks your creativity? I'm almost afraid to ask. Coffee. You know, I just drink a lot of coffee and that's when the creativity starts to flow. Beyond that. No, I want to disagree with you, knowing you as well as I do. When you're on a plane or we're in the car. Well, that's true. If you're really being serious about it, it's when I'm completely isolated and I don't have any fear of interruption. And yeah. I can just focus on something. But I'm also drinking coffee. <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm kind of in the same ballpark as Quad. So my creativity is best sparked when I'm out in nature walking or just even walking outside down my street. It's like something about being outside where there's no electronics. Just something about being outside and walking, moving outside really sparks my creativity. I think though, just in general, communicating sparks your creativity because whenever we're talking about something, you come up with a lot of good ideas. Brainstorming process yeah, brainstorming results helps in too. a lot of good stuff. Yeah. So if you missed anything, our podcast is out tomorrow and really everybody was phenomenal on the show. So our guest was Lewis Cheney, founder of Get to the Damn Point. He talks about communicating and communicating effectively. So his website is gettothedampoint.com if you want to find out more about him and see how he can help you. Then we had Kareem Cook and Claude tell us with NatureAid, N-A-T-U-R-A-D-E.com. So they are really on a mission. This is more than just a product for them. They're on a mission to make the world healthier and make communities healthier with their products and their education. So I applaud them. Yeah, I think they're doing a fantastic work. And I love the idea of putting a little sugar into the protein mix because I've tried some of those. And they're just, <laughs> just a little sugar goes a long way. So I'm down with that. Guys, I'm going to be buying some of this stuff. And next time you see me, I'm going to be totally buff. <laughs> Then we had Lisa Pietricatella with Sunhead Pillow. What a creative, wonderful idea. It's a pillow and you can store stuff in it and it helps your posture. It's an amazing product. I'm going to take a nap right after the show and I'm going to be using her pillow. And you can find her pillow at sunheadpillow.com. Before we go, any final words of wisdom from Lewis? You know, I listened to all the people and how they come up with creative stuff. It comes back down to something that's kind of at my core and has been for years is be a human being first. And I think that's what we're all out to do. What you all are trying to do with your show is connect to people. 
what everybody on this show today has something to do is connecting to people and just be a human being first and be kind. That's great. Well, we need to sign off for this week, but we'll return to this station next week with another episode of Passage to Profit. Before we go, I'd like to thank the Passage to Profit team, Noah Fleischman, our producer, Alicia Morrissey, our program director, and Mark Wilson, our syndication manager. Our podcast can be found tomorrow anywhere you find your podcast. Just look for the Passage to Profit show. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember, while the information on this program is believed to be correct, never take a legal step without checking with your legal professional first. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week.